Is this the right one for an argument? I've told you once. <laughs> no, you haven't. Yes, I have. When? Just now. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't. I did. <laughs> didn't. I'm telling you I did. You did not. Oh, I'm sorry, is this a five-minute argument or the full half hour? <coughs> oh, oh, just the five-minute one. Fine. Uh, Thank you. Anyway, I did. You most certainly did not. Now, let's get one thing quite clear. I most definitely told you. You did not. Yes, I did. You did not. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. Look, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. You just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just now. No, no Is being in agreement what's holding us back? You see, interestingly, and perhaps one of the things that can kill a conversation and progress altogether is when we're in agreement, violent agreement. So violent agreement is when two or more people agree but don't realize they agree, and so they end up sounding like they're arguing. It's like listening to your mother-in-law and father-in-law discuss the last restaurant they went to as we drive home. Dad says, well, that restaurant was better than it used to be. And Mom says, well, not much better. Dad says, well, but better. Mom says, well, but better, hardly better enough to even notice. Dad says, but better, definitely better. And Mom says, yes, but not a lot better. And this goes on and on until you're ready to tear your hair out and jump out of the car. This is also pretty much every Facebook argument these days as well. Yes, I think your politician's policies are bad and evil. Oh, really? What about the other bad policies that they're against? Well, yes, those are bad too, but they're worse. You really can't paint them all like that, can you? Yes, I can paint them all like that, but some are worse than others. I'm not painting them all as worse. There are some that are worse than others. And yes, you're there in violent agreement. And you see this in business meetings as well. The content team says, we need a new platform that will support a new experience. And the brand marketing team says, yes, but before we do that, we need to make sure that the content works with the brand. And the technology team jumps in and says, okay, okay, but everybody hold on. The CMS, it has to be separate. Yes, we're all in. Violent agreement. Sometimes this agreement, while violent, can be subtle. You hear meeting talk begin to be punctuated in. Let me clarify my position. Or, you're misunderstanding my point. At the end of the day, what we need to do is... And it's usually after one of those where people proceed not to clarify, but to rather reinforce their agenda or argue for their view, their point. You see, unfortunately, these kind of meetings can result in the opposite of their intent. Everybody comes out feeling that things got settled, saying, Okay, we've identified all the challenges, so now we'll all move ahead. Yet the agreement was violent. The pervasive tone was one of debate, of opposing sides one-upping each other. Nothing got decided, so subsequently, nothing gets done. Here in this case, a facilitator, someone with no stake in the collaboration, can really help. Next time you're in a meeting like this, see if you can't do this. Be the person listening in for the agreement and pointing it out, acknowledging any actual conflicts along the way. The mere presence of someone who can listen in this way may determine whether or not a perfectly good strategy meeting ever translates into action. And that's something I hope we can all agree on. And that's the theme of our show today, violent agreement or disagreement, when someone's arguing the points and there are no points to be scored. And with that... I agree. It's time to start our show. You ready to agree on something? Then let's roll. Now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 209 of PR's This Old Marketing, recorded Sunday, November 12th, 2017. 
And with me, as always, is my co-host, my colleague, my friend, and the guy I always agree with in content marketing, <laughs> Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Long time no see. <laughs> That's totally not true. <laughs> like we Sometimes we come off that we agree all the time, but really, we don't. It's what makes us peanut butter and jelly, my friend. You like tequila. <laughs> I like vodka. That's right. You like red wine. I like white wine. I mean, it's exactly. just, that's kind of how we roll. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we agree on a lot of things, but we disagree on enough to keep it spicy. Well, something like that. So, and yeah, and, and I'm, I'm so sorry you had to go for an hour and 45 minutes just to get to the hotel tonight. Oh, my gosh. I'm in New York. So for all of you out there, um, I'm in New York tonight recording this as we speak. And something's up with the freeways or something. And getting to 24th Street, which is where I love to stay in Chelsea, um, yeah, it's it was an hour and 45 minutes from JFK, which is normally an hour, right? But, you know, on a Sunday night, an hour and 45 minutes, it, it's absolutely nutty that it should not take that long. Yeah, you're just going to have to stop going to New York. I think that's uh, well. I you there. know if 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 only well no I was going to say if only that were true but uh, I, I like this city I like being in the city you like getting into this city we were just is really well, we were hard. just in New York a couple days ago I know and we know. both like to visit we love yeah. to visit oh. New York. I love like coming to, to New York. I fun. love leaving. I love I love seeing New York in my rearview mirror after a few days. Yep, absolutely. But it was we had a fun week. We well, we did Boston and then we did New York back to back and then we did, we did. Washington D.C. and the master classes are just going fabulously well. Yeah, it's just it was really it was really a good time. They were three good cities right in a row. It was just it was really really awesome. Looking forward to obviously after we get to after the break of uh, of of Thanksgiving, getting back on the road with you, and it'll be fun. Yeah, but, we got uh, well Seattle. So then we do San Francisco, Seattle. That's the first time we've ever done the master class in Seattle. So that'll be that's fun. right. That's and, right. And then the next week after that is what? Chicago, Atlanta, Austin. And then That's right. Ending up in Austin. Finney. In my One of my old stomping grounds, yeah. It'll be. There you go. Absolutely. Get some barbecue. Oh, you're, you're a Texan. You're, oh, yeah. Yeah. Get some good barbecue. We'll get some good barbecue in Austin did, for sure. No, I have to say this. Did you see uh, the new uh, Thor movie? I have not. I have okay, not. I'm Ragnarok not or whatever it is. I'm not, yeah, Ragnarok, whatever. We, I saw it today. Yeah. It sounds like a Flintstones episode to it's me. It's just, yeah, it's a comedy. <laughs> it's like a slapstick comedy is what it is. But I got to tell you this because it was funny. I thought of you. There's one character in it that steals a lot of things, and he stole two machine guns from Texas. He says, I got this from Tex-Ass, and in Tex-Ass, I got these two machine guns. This one's Dez, and this one's Troy. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Like, That's a oh, Dallas Cowboys joke look, for those yeah. of you who aren't following along. Exactly. Dallas to, Cowboys. To so the you, thing, you yeah. appreciate that one. Yeah, that's good. I like that one. So I like good. that well, one. Well, we, we actually, we're recording this during the Dallas Cowboys game. That's we right. We want to finish it before it's over so you can see them win at the end. So that's right. We should get. That's should right. Probably get started on this band. Yeah. Well, I mean, we should. I mean, we should sort of bring the audience up to speed about what we're thinking about for our. our Lovely end of oh, we should, end, the end, end of days. ending of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Isn't that a Schwarzenegger movie? The yes. End and first, and I, I, look, first of all, I just uh, once again have to thank everybody. Uh, we're so touched by all the wonderful tweets and emails and everything that we're getting about the show and all of that. We have some stuff up our sleeve. We will say that, but but for now, yeah, this 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 will. Uh, well, you tell them. You, t- you tell them how we're planning. Yeah, so what on we're going to do yeah. is we. So this is episode two hundred nine. We're going to do episode two two ten next week, just like normal. And yeah. then we're going to take two weeks off, and we're going to do a special finale of this old marketing, and we're going to release it the week of December eleventh. And really, what we want to do, and we're going to, as long as the episode needs to be, we want to answer your questions. What do you want to know? What do you want us to cover? So for the next couple of weeks, use the hashtag. Or just tell us what to cover. Or tell, yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah. what I'm hoping for. Use the yeah. hashtag this old marketing. Um, send the email to this old marketing at contentinstitute.com, and we will cover whatever you want us to cover. Uh, we've already had some requests. At least, um, you know, we had a couple people in each of the cities say, "Would you cover yeah. this? Would you cover that?" Exactly. We're making a list, and we're checking it twice. And we know who's naughty and nice, so we're going to make sure that <laughs> this is going to be a fantastic episode. But we actually. We're going to hunker down and do a longer episode and just 
make sure that you're happy because that's all that matters. That's it. That's, that's exactly do. it. So that's exactly let's see, it. Let's hear it. What do you and and there are no, there's nothing that's off limits. That's right. It doesn't have no, we'll to talk be marketing about anything. related. That's right. We'll talk about we'll talk about anything. Uh, well, I, 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 we're not going to get into politics, but but other no, than no, no, we'll we never, yeah. never, never <laughs> politics. And nothing personal. And no, let's just stick to marketing. That's that. right. No, no, we'll <laughs> talk about anything. Yeah, talk about music. Talk about whatever you want. Sure, that's all good. So yeah. that'll be fun. Yeah. We'll uh, yeah, we'll have a good time doing that one. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. All right. Shall we to the show let's then? Do that. Yes. We will get to it then. All right. So opening up our wonderful uh, show is, of course, our Quick Hits segment, where we talk a little bit about the news that we think you should be listening to or watching or reading. And uh, let's see, we open up with a story out of thedrum.com. And here's the headline. This took me by surprise, Mr. Polizzi. I want to get your take on this. Content marketing industry will be worth $412 billion following a four-year growth spurt, says the drum, opening up by saying, the global content marketing industry is projected to enjoy a compound annual growth rate of 16% according to the latest market research forecast to be compiled by Technavio. That should tell you everything you need to know. But spanning the period from 2017 to 21, the report singled out three key growth drivers for the industry. Building brand awareness, lower cost than traditional advertising. This is where it went off the rails for me. And and an increased conversion rate. This is set to power a total industry valuation of just over $195 billion in 2016, $412 $412 billion by 2021, representing incremental growth of $217 billion. That's a lot of billions um, right in a row. What did you take about this, uh, this article here? Now, my first question to this is, is this Monopoly <laughs> money or is this U.S. It's Bitcoin. Uh, this is US Bitcoin, dollars. I think, is what I, I, they're talking about. Yeah. Well, serious, seri- <laughs> serious question for you, though, and I tried to find out. I couldn't find out. Is this global or is this just I US? believe this, this is a global number right, that, that, they're, that they're, they're quoting, yes. It's an awfully large number. Um, it's a ridiculous number. Let's just be clear. It's a well, it's a it's a ridiculous. Number. I mean, look, it, it if you if you look at the entirety of advertising and marketing and you and you and you I guess if you put in all technology, all content in marketing, I could see it being close to this number, sure. but otherwise it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, I I even was trying to look at comparable stats. So, according to eMarketer, Advertising, all U.S. advertising in 2016 was 192 billion. That's right. That's right. That's exactly so, right. Well, so they're saying that content marketing globally is larger than U.S. advertising. I don't know. I mean, I, I it's just. And so, anyways, let's just put that to a side for a second right. because That's I don't right. know if anyone could substantiate that. What I did do is I went to the Technavio site as okay. you know, we're doing our due diligence, and I sure. went to the site and I tried to get the research report. The research report is twenty five hundred dollars. Oh dear! All right. So I said. So I tried to get the sample report. And yeah. I'm actually waiting for. So I was like, okay, maybe I can get a little bit of a sample to figure out who they sent this to. What I did find here is that let's see, let's go to it. They have their primary research is through vendor briefings, interviews with industry experts and centers of influence, and telephone and online surveys. That's as all. That's all I've got. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I'm, but I'm waiting for the free slam, sample. But before they'll give me the free sample, I've got to talk to somebody on the phone. I think they're going to pitch me something. Uh, you think? So, and, you, you think? All that aside, <laughs> to your point. Now, this is where because you where you said it kind of went off the rails. There's content marketing, as you well state in every presentation you've done, and I've talked about it as well. Isn't necessarily cheaper. In most cases, it's more expensive. That's right. That's right. But in this whole thing, they're saying, and, and by the way, the the lead analyst for Technavio says, "Great, de- you know, good definition here. Content marketing is a strategic marketing approach that is focused on creating and sharing valuable, consistent, and relevant content to attract and retain an audience." Okay, I'm with you here. But then when you go into, well, it's actually can save money and it's cheaper than advertising. Well, I, yeah, I can't really I go mean, along with that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and we'll go off on at some length about our our next you know story here well, that we're gonna that we're gonna cover. But the 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 point is in all of that is the 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 key grow. It, it, well, there's just I mean, looking at the totality of what they're projecting here, and 
the 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 growth drivers which just don't match up. I mean, even if they were true, they don't match up, right? Because if it's lower cost than traditional advertising, then we're going to be spending less money on it than we would be advertising. It's, you know, there is there's some sort of effectiveness rate here and then there's sort of what we're going to spend on it as uh you know and if you you know again i guess you know one of the things that is really hard to put your finger on is what is the content marketing industry you know because if you look at it as the technology side of that well that's one thing and i've seen some estimates there that are relatively, you know, 1 billion or something like that, 1 or 2 billion that are the technology sort of focused industry of, of where content marketing technology is. And that includes all of the usual suspects, right? Our news creds and Capos and Percolate and everybody that sort of sits in that technology space. But then if you sort of expand that out and look at, you know, every media company or every uh, everybody that's creating content, you know, are YouTube, you know, stars in that mix, you know, or is influencer marketing in that mix? It, it gets really fuzzy it really seems fast. Like it, it seems like it is. They've included marketing automation. Yeah. They, which you, I don't think you can necessarily say that's content marketing spending. Yes. What, what they should say, and this is actually a really interesting thing, um, that I've been hearing a lot about from the my colleagues that are in you know sort of focused on the Wall Street side of things is how much deeper and more money there is in Martech than there is in ad tech and the whole Martech space if you just look at the marketing space and that whole idea the the money there there's a lot more money there than there is in advertising and they're starting to look at that actually as being more attractive from an investment point of view so there's a real there's a real interesting story there that just isn't told here. Well, it, it should. I mean, if you go back ten years when you and I started talk, really talking about this, and because we've been asked many times by our audience, can you oh, benchmark course. spending? Yeah, and we have completely stayed away from it because of the fact that it is at this point it's impossible to it's get really that number yeah. because the content marketing budget it, there it's in so many different budgets throughout the enterprise. You really cannot determine it. That's because right. Because sometimes content marketing comes out of advertising. Sometimes yeah. it comes out of corporate communication. Sometimes it comes out of public relations. You, if you go into a big, let's just say a big company like an SAP. That's right. They've got it coming. It's you've got budget coming out of seven, eight, nine <laughs> different places, and in a lot of cases, the people at that company don't know where it's coming yeah. out. Of. My inner seventeen-year-old so, just started to, had I'm a sorry. joke right there at the top of my, my. When you started saying it was coming out of everywhere, it's like <laughs> there was a joke right there that I'm just I I couldn't resist. Yeah, it's like thinking. I didn't say too it. Much. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it's impossible <clears throat> to determine. Now, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I don't want to put down doing research on content marketing. That is a very noble effort. That's right. It's just that this is a number that it's very hard to take seriously at this point. Yes. And hopefully, maybe we can cover it on the next episode. I can get some information from my uh, the, the personal touch person that's going to contact me from Technovia. And I'm going <laughs> there, to have all the go. information on how they got to the $412 billion by twenty. I would love to know the answer to that. Hashtag all the information. All We want all of it. All the so, things. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to our next story here, uh, which is uh, some wonderful marketing predictions here. This comes courtesy of Forbes magazine, Forbes.com. And the headline here is 2018 marketing predictions from the C-suite. Predictions from the C-suite. The, uh, the article opens up by saying, toward the end of every year, I, meaning the author, uh, asks CEOs, CMOs, authors, executive recruiters, and other experts from a variety of industries and backgrounds to weigh in on what will be hot for marketers in the upcoming year, from cybersecurity to AI to social media to impact on the boardroom. This year's predictions do not disappoint. What did you think about this year's <clears throat> predictions, Mr. Uh, Politi? It is that time of year. It is that actually we're working on our predictions, content marketing predictions. I think this will be be our ninth year that we're going to going to cover them and they'll be out in the next couple weeks we've got like 60 or 70 amazing predictions so that's yeah. awesome there are three in particular that i picked out of here yeah that i don't believe okay and i would like to review those with you robert if you okay i would love to review them with you the, here's the first one yeah uh 2018 will be the year of ai uh, actual <laughs> yeah. intelligence not yeah. artificial intelligence yet uh it's just fun i just want to this is not necessarily a 
poor prediction. But what I want to say, and we covered this and we had some conversations in our master classes last week about this. Most organizations, if you, let's say you get the CMO that's really excited about artificial intelligence. The problem is their data and their content isn't structured in a way that they can do anything with it at this point anyways. Yeah. So I don't believe that 2018 is the year. 2018 hopefully is the year that we look at our content creation efforts and start to structure it and tag it properly so we actually can do something with it. Yeah. So that's that's the first one that I have. The second one here is down the list. It says traditional marketing campaigns will die as marketers move to modular marketing. What? No. There's traditional marketing campaigns aren't even close to being dead. There when we go into enterprises, it's still about the campaign, even though we talk about how it shouldn't be. So I don't believe that for a second that we're moving away from traditional marketing campaigns. There's just too much of um there's not enough movement to that big ship to turn around yet for that to happen. So that's that's my second one. And, and then I'll give you my third one. Then I want to get your comment. Sure. The third one is uh, 2018, we will see the maximum. Let's see. the. Oh, here it is. 2018 will finally be the year that CMOs maximize the potential of social media. <laughs> what? what? Like for paying more right. in advertising? Is that how we're going to do it? I mean, I really... <laughs> I don't know how – I mean, we've talked about it at length on this show and in Content Marketing Institute material is that social media, they're basically paid distribution channels for the most part for brands. So does that mean to really take advantage of social media? Do we really start <clears throat> treating them, as you say, as like the, the NBC, the CBS, the ABC of our time? Right. And we start to advertise on those platforms? So I don't understand – how they will maximize the potential of social media when organic reach has pretty much gone down to zero. Yeah, no, I think, I think, well, I mean, you know how I feel about that particular one. Um, but yeah, no, I, so there's a, oh, so uh, let me comment on a couple of these that, sure. that, that you commented on, which is, so the first one with this, the actual, intel, by the way, kudos to, I guess it's Mike Marcellin, the chief marketing officer for Juniper Networks for coming up with the actual intelligence uh, uh, acronym there for AI instead of artificial. It's cute. It's a very cute, yes. new, so yep. good for him. Um, I'm, 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 this one. So I'm with you there, um, and I think you're absolutely right, where he says we'll see actual intelligence enabled by analytics and automation to take the guesswork out of marketing, and I think that's something that we've been promising since 1945. Um, you know, if you, read, if you read every single book, any, any sort of of the bigger sort of more prominent titles from the 2000s, from the 90s, from the 80s, from the 70s, from the 60s, from the 50s, we have always struggled with measurement and taking some of the guesswork out of marketing. So I don't see that coming true. Now, what he does say there, which I think is interesting, and I don't, this may actually be if you were to peel it back a little bit more, there's another quote here that I actually, the prediction that I really liked which is that this this idea of the generalist, right? So the the marketers, um, this one is the uh, Karen Flight or Fleet. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Managing director of Corn Ferry says marketers will focus on transitioning from marketing specialists to generalists who can lead. And I think if you combine those two ideas, there's something interesting there. This gets to what I spoke on um, last year at ICC, and we'll uh, touch on this year at this coming years, uh, 2018's ICC, Intelligent Content Conference, this idea of the wisdom worker, which is this new sort of, it's not a generalist, but I don't know if you've seen, uh, McKinsey's done some work here, they call it the T-shaped skill set, where you've got a lot of generalist mm-hmm. capabilities, but then you're deep in one area, sort of that yep. T-shaped you know, skill set. And I absolutely think that is something that is really a trend that will that I can get my head around. Where when so when you combine those two ideas, sort of getting into the actual intelligence and then getting into this sort of specialty of people who can lead um, in a depth area, but then have general wisdom around a lot of things. I think that's a real trend there, and it's well, something I'm really seeing in 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 skills for the for the new marketing department, if you will. Well, 
That's critical. We talk about it in the book. The th- the th- if you really want to lead in marketing, you have to understand the business models behind it. That's right. And what That's right. We, we find is a lot of marketers are yeah, really good at lead generation or really good at social media, but that those are just very, very tactical. They're not strategic. If you want to be strategic and you, you really have to understand what's the underlying business model of the organization and what are the new business models inherent when you do build an audience? So that that I absolutely love, and that means you have to have a, at least a general understanding of of what what corporate communications is doing, what PR is doing, what IT is That's doing. That's right. What That's the, right. What the entire C level is doing. Yeah, so, exactly. And that. the and the last one I'll mention here is um, it was it's actually the last prediction in the article um, from Martin Etherington, CMO of Cisco's IoT cloud. Um, he says. Uh, in 2018, CX, meaning customer experience, will start aggregating under the CMO. And I think this is an interesting one. I, you know, it's one obviously that is a hot topic for me. Um, and is, it's, a, it's an interesting one because, as, as he says in his prediction, the totality of a customer's interaction with a brand over time becomes more important to companies. Um, and accountability for designing, managing, and delivering the consumer experience will increase the CMO's mandate. And I actually had a really interesting debate about this. Not a debate. We had a discussion about this um, when I was on uh, uh, Six Pixels of Separation, the, the, the podcast by our, by our good friend, um, Mitch, Joel. Mitch Joel. Thank you. Yep. I was blanking on his name here on Sunday night. And we had a wonderful discussion about this idea is you know the idea of customer experience in marketing actually becoming too big for the marketing department, um, which is a really interesting idea. So we may actually see the splintering of marketing into different sort of specialty things, I think that's just as much a, a possibility as whether it will sort of combine into one giant thing. I think it's really interesting time for us to be in marketing and and becoming um, and evolving into this new this new thing. So yeah, there you go. Those are my takes. I I, I love that. I love all those takes, and I yep. love that half of these are completely wrong. And yeah, half of them are okay. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's good. Exactly. No, no, they're all really smart people. Yeah, they it's are very just smart a, people. Predictions are. Oh, yeah. dicey at best. Dicey at best. Dicey at best. All right. Well, we're moving on, and we'll, of course, be, with, be out with our own dicey predictions here uh, very, very soon. All right. So moving to our in-depth section here, um, where we go off uh, into a little bit more depth about articles that pertain specifically to the idea of content marketing, and we'll open up and really just discuss this one article at some length here, um, which is, okay, so we're going to be paired two stories together here. They're, they both cover the same story, but just from a couple of different angles. Um, this one for, from the Wall Street Journal, uh, Mattress Company shutters web publication and pivots to print. The Casper brand, which of course is oft mentioned when we talk about content marketing and case studies, and it, the article says Mattress brand Casper is launching a print magazine and shuttering Van Winkle's, the sleep-focused online publication it launched in 2015. The, uh, the company says its new magazine, titled Wooly, will be published multiple times a year and focus on themes including comfort, wellness, and modern life. It will be bundled free with some Casper products and available for $12 per issue from Casper's retail stores and its website. Um, and then... So uh, in, there's some other interesting things, which, Joe, I'll get your take on in just a second sure. in that Wall Street Go Journal ahead. article. But then we're going to pair it with this LinkedIn post from Ryan Skinner from LinkedIn, or excuse me, from Forrester Research, who really goes to like great lengths to talk about uh, how this represents like the, 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 the summation of all his research, but also the, the, the idea that content marketing is somehow not working for uh, the, the the idea of content marketing, and especially as we, I guess, as we define it, really isn't working all that well, and especially it has an interesting part of the comments. Um, anyway, why don't we get into discussion about the first first and then the second second? What did you think? Well, let's, so let's, let's take the idea of launching a print magazine. This yeah. is sort of a new trend. We've talked about it happening for a while, so here it is. Uh, we've covered Airbnb launching their print publication. Of course, everybody knows the Red Bulletin uh, that you know you could find in, in every, uh, every bookstore, if you will. So this is not a new thing about brands owning and distributing their own print products. So here you have Casper that are saying, which, by the way, there's two different stories that we're talking about here. One That's is right. they're, they're, they're launching this print publication, which is interesting. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be more of a customer loyalty or a yield increase goal. So the, And that's what I'm assuming. 
because they're they're going to package this magazine with a lot of okay, you buy a product from Casper and you're going to get this magazine that's definitely around customer loyalty, like a like a John uh, John Deere's The Furrow magazine type example. It's not unheard of; happens all the time. This is it's a good thing. Um, but what was interesting, and I wanted to get your take on this, that a lot of people sent emails to me on this. So Lindsay Kaplan, who's Casper's Vice President of Communications and Brand Engagement, says. This isn't traditional content marketing. There are no ads for Casper. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well tra- yeah. there are no ads for traditional content marketing. Yeah. So, there's a, so Lindsay, thank you. I appreciate the quote. But just to correct you, in traditional content marketing, for the most part, there are no advertisements at all. Because right. the, the an, an entire thing is a marketing initiative in and of itself. Now, do some people have ads? Associations have ads. Airline publications have ads. Sure, they do. They're revenue generating. That's right. But, but she's very clear in this that this is not going to be building a revenue stream. Um, yeah, she, well, she actually is – interestingly, she's so, – so to the theme of the show, she's actually in violent agreement with herself where she basically says this isn't a content marketing uh, initiative and then goes on to describe exactly how it is a content, a content marketing, marketing initiative, initiative by trying to own the conversation. They want to own the conversation around the idea of, um, it, well, it isn't sleep, but it's, but it's, you know, relaxation and comfort. They're trying to own the conversation, which is the well, pivot that they're trying to make here. Well, but the, the issue that I have and I, and I wish it sounds like they're probably going more niche than what she's saying, but she's saying it's a, she says it's really about owning the conversation around wellness and health. Too big of a category. There's no way that Casper is going to be owning any conversation around wellness and health. You have to be more specific than that. That's a big problem. So that was, I'm hopeful that their mission statement around this is is more targeted than that. Yeah. Because if they're coming out and they say, we are going to try to own the conversation around wellness and health and we're launching this uh, magazine Good luck with that. Probably not going to happen. Yeah, it's a, you know, I mean, it's an interesting challenge, right? Where, you know, they're, and they're monetizing it, $12 per issue um, from the retail stores where the you can go buy a Casper mattress and, and of course, the website where you can go get that, um, where you can go get it, you know, and subscribe to it, I suspect. Um, but I, I agree with you on the broadness of the topic for sure. Um but in and of itself, it's basically just trading out, you know, you're just trading digital for print, really. I mean, you know, they basically said that what the article said to me was the digital thing didn't work on this topic. We're going to try a print magazine on a different topic and see if that works. Right. So they're they're it, It's they haven't said one way or the other that their content marketing strategy is working or not working. They're just saying we're pivoting to a different one. Yes, and that's, that's correct. That's the interesting thing to me where and that's where we can sort of get into the idea of what, you know, what what Ryan was talking about in his LinkedIn post, which was, you know, to really say that this is a whole new different thing that they're trying to do. And basically content marketing didn't work. So they're launching a magazine that's something else. I don't I'm not sure exactly but, what but his here's point the thing was. that I'm unless unless Ryan has some information that we don't, there's never been any talk about it failing. They, did it? Did somebody at Casper say that that their digital effort failed? No. Yeah. Exactly right. I mean, it. I mean, they're taking a different direction. Yeah, obviously, they're they're killing it, but it's not because it failed, right? They're, they're they could be killing it for a number of reasons. You know, you assume that they're killing it because it didn't work, but that's you know we don't know that for sure. That's the thing. I mean, I would you know i don't i don't want to take a guess and say oh yeah we're we're killing there's lots of reasons why content marketing initiatives uh, are killed and about half of them are because they don't work that's right well, we there's actually, a lot of other well, reasons they could be it could be working brilliantly it actually could be working really well in one area that wasn't anticipated and somebody said and you talk about this in the master class yeah. somebody launches a content marketing initiative and they think it should be a lead generator when really it's not so somebody's launching it as for some other reason, but somebody else in the organization says, oh, this has to drive leads. It doesn't drive leads, and then it's killed. Well, but it, it was really successful doing it, something else. Yeah, that, so. and, and, and by the way, I don't even know if you remember, we covered this on the show. We covered them sunsetting uh, the digital magazine, uh, I don't know, three or four or five episodes ago. 
where we talked about the idea, and we had this exact conversation. We said because somebody sent it to us and say, "Hey, they're killing the the digital thing." You know, you know, what does that mean? And we and and basically the quote from then from one of the the Casper people because it was one of the, I think one of the editors who had moved on or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they basically said Casper had gotten what it wanted out of it, um, and, yeah. and and they're and they're moving on. So. I mean, if we go, you know, if we peel the onion all the way back, we'll probably find lots of different reasons for them moving to a different direction and moving, you know, everything from it failed to, yeah, the CMO wanted it blue. So we wanted a print magazine in blue. So that's why we did it, right? I mean, there's, you know, there's so many different reasons that, and I guess that's what I have the challenge with when, when we look at the, the, some of the commentary that was made on, on Ryan's post, which is, we make this assumption, you know, lots of the comments were like, well, it was all in the execution. They, they screwed up in the execution or they didn't execute it well. And then Ryan's response is, yeah, but that's, you know, that, you know, you can see them now moving to a push versus pull system. Um, and that's not, you know, that's a different model than the content marketing, quote unquote, gurus that are out there. And he throws you under the bus in that particular quote. Uh, but the whole point of it is, is that <laughs> yes, you don't know that you don't, you know, you, you don't, don't know you don't know that that we're we're making broad assumptions based on what the Wall Street Journal isn't saying in its article and what we're putting assumptions to. The other thing is, is that, the, and this is the part that really you know grinds my gears, as to, to to quote the wonderful Family Guy, is that here's the thing: it, it, even if let's just assume that they that it failed and that they're actually pivoting that they're actually changing to something else. And let's assume that everybody's right, that it's a big failure and that they're changing horses and all this kind of stuff. What, what makes them right? You know, just because you know, they, we can't have it both ways. They can't be a genius for killing it and an idiot for launching something else or an idiot for killing it and a genius for doing something. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's, it, it, it has no bearing on the idea of content marketing at all. Either, either of those scenarios has no bearing on it. That, you know, in other words, they may be geniuses and they may be changing strategies or they may be wrong and they may be changing strategies erroneously. <laughs> so, the, you know, we'll wait and see how things go. But just because someone does something doesn't have any commentary. It's like, you know, I used to say this all the time where you know, it's like, you know, when we have a failed, mar- you know, a failed cold calling campaign with the sales team, right? They all the inside salespeople, you know, have, we have a big failed cold calling campaign. Nobody goes, Oh yeah, we should quit telephone, right? Yeah. Telephone is really a bad thing. We're going to quit that as a strategy because look, they just failed at telephone. No, we failed at something. We failed mm-hmm. at the, the campaign itself. Not, you know, not the, not the, not the idea. Anyway, get well, off on a I rant, love, I guess. Well, I, I, well, there's a lot to rant about, but I love the comment by Margaret Magnarelli, who's been a speaker for us at Content Marketing World. She's on the brand side now. Yep. She came from the media side. Yep. She just says, just going to play devil's advocate here, but maybe this is working because we're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. now here's the thing. <laughs> right. And you, you bring this up. You go, you've gone through this in all your training and workshops. You could say, look, we're going to launch this initiative because we feel we can get a better return than we would, let's say, off of a public relations campaign or program. That's right. Let's let's just say, let's just pretend. Let's say the goal of Van Winkles was for brand awareness and that we think we could do better, a better job at people knowing who Casper is by this initiative, and that's how we're going to measure it. If you just measured it that way, this was incredibly successful. That's right. Do you know how many mentions they had on this? You know how many times we've talked about it? You know how many times Ryan Skinner's talked about it? We've all been talking about it. That's yeah, great. We're exactly. talking. We're still talking about them. Exactly. Oh, my God, has this been successful from that standpoint? Nobody know, knew who Casper was when they started this thing. That's right. Now, so just look. It's just I, I don't like it when people just say, oh, okay, I'm going to point to that one. That's that's my uh, – that everything I've been talking about co- content – Marketing is confirmed now because that case study, uh, it killed its program and done. When you have 10, 20, 50 other ones that are successful, but you don't talk about those. Yeah. Yeah, You you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Right. That's all I'm saying. Well, you can, but you can't. (laughs) (laughs) You can think, yeah. You can live in whatever world you want to live. That's right. Exactly. Absolutely. Go go right ahead. Well, speaking of living in a great world, just a wonderful, positive world, we should talk about our lovely, wonderful show sponsor that we have this it's week. Very, it's very hard yeah. to go. I'm, yeah, it's hard. I'm it's, really I, holding back on this did you, because I was really thrown under the bus on that commentary. And I have not commented 
because I'm not going to. Yeah. Because that's, that's I think just, that's, I think you should just let that one, you know, I think you just, should just let that lie in obscurity. I think that's I, there, the best What are you going to say? That. There's yeah. nothing you no, can say. No, there's to nothing that. you can it's, say to that cuz It's exactly little sidebar here. It's yeah. it's like the first time so when Epic Content Marketing came out uh, and went live on Amazon, I was really proud of it, took it personal, the whole thing. That was my that was my baby. Yeah. And somebody wrote a horrible review on it and I took it really personally. And I responded to the person and I said, you forgot to mention that Epic Content Marketing also serves as a really good doorstop. <laughs> you can go see it, people. Oh you can go see it. I actually did that. That's great. Oh, that was not a good decision. No? There was like, oh my, you should see the comments on it. It's like, oh, look at this guy. He's like, and I thought I was being funny. I was trying to say something without coming across as a jerk. I knew the person didn't read it. Right. I knew it was yeah, just of one course. of those. It was just a troll. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what do I do? I should have just, this is the case where you just should just not do anything. You don't feed the trolls. Yep. But I fed the trolls and then got 50, 60 additional comments. Oh, no. It was, it's still there. I'm like, oh, it's a really good, it's a really good story now. Nice. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yes. I want to talk about Storyblocks. Go to storyblocks.com slash CMI. To get all the stock images, video, and audio you can imagine for just $149. That's storyblocks.com slash CMI to download anything from thousands of images, videos, and tracks and unlock discounts on millions more. And you and I have both been in situations where maybe we felt like we needed to compromise uh, our programs due to budgetary constraints and I think, you know, you let's say you wanted to use an image of Des Bryant, but it was just way too expensive and you couldn't afford the clip and you had to leave it out altogether. And, you know, it's always better with Des than without Des, right? That's right. So, but with Storyblocks, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You can get high quality stock images, videos, and audio for a fraction of the cost. You can download all the stock your heart desires from their member library, including 400,000 images, 150,000 videos, and 100,000 audio clips. All the content is royalty free, so you can use it for commercial and personal projects. New content is added regularly. Go to storyblocks.com slash CMI to get this amazing deal for just $149. That's storyblocks.com slash CMI. And special thanks to Storyblocks for for hanging with us yeah. through this yeah. Yeah. whole thing as yeah. we go. As we as we wind this down, they, it's uh, it's it's quite an honor for us to have them as our yes. sort of final final sponsor. Um, Absolutely. For the uh, for to to wind us out here. There's only one. There's only one final sponsor. There. <laughs> it is sorry, Black. There is. Yeah. Well said. You will always well be the. Final you will sponsor. always be. That'll be a trivia question at some point. Yes. Who was the final sponsor on PNR? Yeah, and it will be Storyblocks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is now time for your favorite part of the show. It is our rants and rave section when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like we're in violent agreement or in violent disagreement um, with what we've got going on here. And let's see here. I have uh, this whole marketing, so I'm going first. So I have a uh, a bit of a, uh, I guess it's a, I don't know if it's a, they're both raves, really, I guess. Um, the one's more of a commentary than the other is just, quite frankly, just a gushing, like, rave. I just love it. Um, the, so I'll start with the, the first one first, which is okay. this, um, it's an article that appeared in Digiday, and it's actually a little old. It's about a month old at this point. Um, and uh, it, it's, uh, I don't know how I missed it, because it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's a really wonderful article and basically taught me a whole lot about a whole segment of what's going on in the market that I had no idea. This There's a thing called audience-based planning. And the headline here is audience-based planning is the next battleground for media agencies. And this is something I had not a lot of visibility into. And, and quite honestly, I'm just really interested to learn more about it. Um, and it comes from the Digiday Agency Summit. And they're starting to open up with some interesting uh, uh, ideas that are going to be covered there. And as they started talking about this idea of audience-based planning, which is also, I guess, known as people-based marketing, which I'd never heard of before, and identity-based okay. marketing, I've also never heard of, which basically is this idea of assembling different data sets like brands, first-party data, device ideas, uh, IDs, you know, like your phone or, or your iPad or something like that, data from Amazon or Google or Facebook, and then basically mashes it all up together to be able to drive more contextual content and advertising to you. 
Now, all that's wonderful and everything, and the, what the article goes on to talk about is how these agencies, these ad agencies and media agencies are really building out these solutions, but they don't talk a lot about building your own audience, which I think is the more interesting aspect of that. So I'm, in a weird way, I'm kind of glad because this is where we're so focused is in helping companies really figure out how to build their audience. So I'm, I'm glad that we're sort of out in front talking about this. So I'm going to just try and figure out a way to sort of start to get in and, and lead a little bit of that conversation because it's really just fascinating to me. One of the things that the article ends up with um, is she says, uh, or the article uh, starts talking about the agencies and they say, you know, the technology and the data isn't enough. It's about people and processes. We're changing how we operate, says the media agencies here. Today, they're still using tools like the DoubleClick Campaign Manager and Prisma. They're all built for this thing. We have to change the mindset of all the media planners and really under, get both publishers and clients to really understand the power of this. So we're early days in this, and I think it's a really interesting trend and one, just a, basically a must-read article I think you should go out and familiarize yourself with, and you can you know count on me to whatever extent you count on me um, to be really paying attention to all this stuff because it was really just fascinating for me. Um, so that's that. Um, the next one is so, and I've, I guess I've, I went back and looked. I guess I've raved on this at least four out of the last um, uh, five, I don't know, the three out of the last four years that we've been on the air, um, which is the John Lewis's Christmas advert advertisement, which I just absolutely love every year that they put it out. And the new one is out for 2017. And I'll link to it, obviously, in the in the show notes. And it, I'm not going to spoil it at all, other than to tell you that it's about the monster under the bed. And it's just, it might be my favorite one ever. It's just absolutely, I mean, I, at the end of it, I was in, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just big softy when it comes to that stuff. So it absolutely made my heart sing. And it's just absolutely wonderful. It's great storytelling. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful ad. It's just an ad. It's an ad, but um, it's just a great piece of content and so i'm want to link to it in the show notes and just tip and just say how much i loved it i didn't see it yet yeah so i'll have to yeah go watch it I'll it's really great it's great it's really what great. is it like a 30 is it a 30 second no, it's a little longer than that yeah it's a little longer, longer than okay. it's like a minute and change or something like that yeah so i i have for, thank you by the way yeah. i have two quick things yeah. one is if p- people weren't paying attention snapchat released its results this week <laughs> yes it um, did pretty devastating uh when you look at and by the way i'm i'll put this in the show notes this is from TechCrunch. it's called snapchat's epic strategy flip-flop this is a fantastic article i, I don't usually rave about TechCrunch articles but i really liked this one because what it goes through is it goes through what snaps strategy was and what they're going to do now and it really is a 180 degree turn uh and just Quickly, revenue fell 30 minutes short of forecast. User growth slowed to 2.9%. Unbelievable. Uh, 40 million, we talked about this, Robert, 40 million of spectacles are sit unsold right now. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's really amazing. And it's. I'm surprised that the share price only was down 18%. And I think the reason why the share price was only down 18% is that the same day it came out with uh, Tencent, uh, the real super fast growing Chinese social media company took a ten percent uh, ownership share in Snap, so that can so a lot so it went up and down. So it was a crazy day. So came out came out went down like twenty twenty five percent, went back up to almost flat, and then back down eighteen percent. So amazing. Uh, if, if you're a Snapchat shareholder, you got to buckle in. This is crazy <laughs> stuff. But I just I'm not going to talk a lot about this article, but I think you should read it. Because it talks about when you build an audience, to your point before, Robert, sometimes you have to pivot. And Snap is Snapchat is in pivot mode right now because there is some – now, some of the things that they're talking about pivoting to, I don't necessarily agree with. I don't agree with the fact that they're going to expand their focus outside of – 34 and younger. They're going to go after an older audience. I don't necessarily think that that's oh, a good thing. Yeah, no. But that's, you know, but that's what they're doing. Um, I, I think that they should really focus on their core audience. One of the things that I've talked about on this show as well is they they went too quickly to certain revenue angles, like spectacles, before they were getting, which I thought they were taking a big chance of going into hardware that has not worked. Right. Uh, they should have 
really focused on growing that audience, growing that audience experience, uh, really creating a fan base there and before they were going to launch something like that. And just wait, like we've always talked about, wait until the audience asks for something and the revenue opportunities will show themselves. So I think that's where they're at this point. It's a great pro and con article. Go all the way through it. I highly recommend it. So I like that. And my second thing is just a commentary, and it's basically, I think it's just from from some of the things we've talked about on this show. I would just like to talk about, really quickly, the art of questioning. And when we see something, particularly in marketing, we either we seem to either blindly accept it or we're <laughs> vehemently against it. Oh, where is this going? I can't wait but, to hear No, this. no, no. Wait, it's it's, it's not going very it. far. Go. It's all good. Okay. But but I think what we really need to do is just stop and question things, like you and I were doing today. Why you know why was that thing done? Right. What was the purpose of that effort? What was the situation that why you know from from when they launched it or when they killed it? Um, you know, many people out there think something really worked or didn't, but oftentimes I found sim- by simple questioning that those things we think are successful really were not, and those things we think were disasters were amazing successes. I guess all I'm asking this our wonderful audience to do is not blindly follow or jump on the bandwagon and just stop for two seconds and ask why that's all i'm saying so was there something that triggered all of that or (laughs) i just you know it i know there's nothing in this episode that (laughs) that triggered that that particular no but i think this is a good it's a good theme for this show um, and by the way, you could start with our first article on the 420 whatever right. billion dollars in spending. What happens is that number will go into oh, thousands it, of PowerPoint presentations around the world, and they won't question it. That's right. And you can't just do that. You have to stop and question it and say, is this oh, – and by the way, we do research too. I love it when our audience questions our research. You should question it. Right. You shouldn't just take it. At face value and say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's grow it's growing at 30% a year and the, but whatever. No, you don't know that. Just stop for a second. And, and we get into the meetings, we get into marketing meetings and we, we should, instead of just saying, oh, that's the way it is. No, it's not the way it is. If you're going to be successful in content marketing in your career with whatever, with the company you're at or the next company, you absolutely have to go in there with thick skin and question the way things are done or change is not going to happen. I think that's great. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, especially today, right? I mean, you know, this isn't just a marketing thing. This is a the world we live in these days, which is, you know, so much about, you know, fake news and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, we've, in many, in many cases, we've lost our ability to, to really discern and put, you know, meaning behind things and ask meaningful questions, right? Because we just assume that the words and fr- did you hear the story about the um the this happened in texas where the russian sort of the the groups put you know they built a facebook page for one side and then built a facebook page for the other side and actually orchestrated a whole protest yes, and counter protest ab- ab- absolutely yeah it was, one was uh one was long live the south or something like that right. the other one was uh, like a black lives matter page yes i have seen that it's fascinating fascinating yeah, exactly and you you ask <laughs> Just stop and you and I when when the Wall Street Journal article came out this week. You, I mean, obviously we had a lot of time to spend together. We sure. were talking about this, yep. and we were talking. We were asking ourselves the question about why some people are so um, have this negativity toward content marketing, and why they have like there's they have something against it, and it's more than just a research based thing, and it's more yeah, than why, just the yeah, the question I asked you was I said why are people so angry sometimes about yes. this. Why, where, why are they so angry? Where does where, it come from? Where's the anger come from? I mean, I get where the where the whole, you know, sort of skepticism comes from, and I'm glad for the skepticism, but it's the it's the it's the sort of schadenfreude um, real anger that seems to be sort of this glee that people take in sort of the failure of different things that, that really sort of puzzles me, I guess. It's, it's a fascinating well, I, thing. And I think you have to take the high road because I, I think what happens is, is some people that feel like that, they just don't have love in their life. Oh, I mean, no. That's what it, I think that, no, no, I'm just kidding. 
And that's when the show, it was episode it 209, folks, when it when the show went uh, went in a weird direction. We did it, yeah, we did it. We um, just did a Fonzie on Yeah, that, there we go. Uh, well, it took us 209 <laughs> episodes to get here, but we finally got here. Anyways, do you have a this old I do have a, get out of here? I, in yeah. fact, I have a really awesome one. I, mean, I cannot believe we have missed this one to this date. I, you okay. know, I'm, gl- I'm so glad it's making it in. It's making it in. So first of all, huge hat tip. I mean, this might be the, the first episode that our, that our wonderful friend of the show, Bethany, hasn't sent in. But this one comes from Justin Zimmerman, who, of course, you know, and um, and friend and family of the show. So thank you, Justin, for this, because this is an amazing one. Um, so have you had you ever heard of the uh, of the Maxwell House Haggadah? I have not, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. By the way, so I'm not Jewish, just so I I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. So my my sincere apologies if I am not pronouncing that correctly. Um, but the, what we'll link to in the show notes is that, and I had no idea about this. So the uh, if you've been the article starts out by saying if you've been to a seder in the United States sometime in the last eighty years, you've probably come across the Maxwell House. Uh, Haggadah, or I mean, and I'm just going to say that. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, so yeah. the iconic blue cover um, and dual column Hebrew and English translations have arguably become almost as emblematic of the holiday as the Seder plate and Elijah's cup uh, among Jews in the diaspora. And it has appeared on the suitcases of Soviet immigrants bound for Israel. It's been carried onto every battlefield the U.S. military has fought since 1933 and has been the guest of honor even at the Obama's White House Seder. So this whole thing owes its existence to Joseph Jacobs, who was a former advertising manager, uh, uh, who started the Joseph Jacobs Advertising Agency in 1919, which specialized in selling advertising for Jewish publications. And then in 1923, Jacobs convinced Maxwell House Coffee, which, of course, the famous Maxwell House Coffee, then owned by Cheek Neal Coffee Company out of Tennessee. It's now owned by Kraft. So there you go. This is another Kraft content marketing platform to invest in advertising campaign targeting the Jewish consumers. So until then, coffee bean had been seen as the, a legume, a bean, not kosher for Passover. Um, and Jewish grocery stores would put away the coffee um, uh, basically under, with the incorrect assumption that coffee beans um, were not kosher when, in fact, they were technically a fruit, not a bean in that sense. And so to spread the word about the okay to use of coffee, Jacobs had this obscure Lower East Side rabbi certify that coffee beans were an acceptable post-Seder treat. And to drive the point home, he then placed this ad announcing to all Yiddish speakers that the Maxwell House coffee was kosher. Um, So nearly 10 years later, 1932, Maxwell House Haggadah was born. It's been printed continuously since 1932 and handed out for free in supermarkets. Um, though, uh, that's, uh, he says, some, there's a, a Jewish history professor who says that's a, that part is somewhat of a myth. It was supposed to be buy one, get one free, but you buy one co- uh, coffee and got a Haggadah in exchange, he explained. But based on the honor system, uh, it's been this idea has uh, um, it's been everybody with 50 million cans of coffee were sold. Let's just put it that way. So this piece of content that they've created. Anyway, it's been produced since then continuously. It is one of the most famous, um, uh, you know, uh, ways to to get this word out. And here it is. It's been created and sponsored by Maxwell House Coffee um, for the last 80 years. Um, without, with very few changes, the only thing that's changed was in the 1960s, they turned it into the blue cover that it is today. And that's it. It's, you know, good to the last drop, as they say, it's just a fascinating and and interesting example of, of course, and a true example of this old marketing. That, by the way, the pictures on the Wikipedia page, which we'll put in the show notes are amazing. Yeah, from the, from the thirty-three uh, edition to the fifty-five edition, it's amazing. I mean, just just. I don't know how we. I don't know how we missed this one. Oh well, that was that's a good one. It is a really good one. Should have saved that one for next week. <laughs> well, there you that's go. Okay, no, you that's have good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, we have a little. Well, you're you're on the road for a while. I'm in the office this week. I'm no. I'm I'm only on the road t- uh, for tomorrow. Um, I okay. I go home on Tuesday morning, and then I'm home through Thanksgiving. So I'm l- very much looking forward to that. Very good. Yeah, I just have a bunch of interviews this week, um, a lot of writing that I'm doing, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but we won't. I won't see you until uh, after Thanksgiving. That's right. So, yeah. No, it'll be after yeah, Thanksgiving. So. I mean, I'm sure we'll be talking 
in between. Oh, we'll be, of course, um, be talking. we'll be talking and, and all of that. But uh, yeah, no, after, so to all of you, um, well, we'll talk to you, uh, of course, next week, but uh, and wish you the happy Thanksgiving then, of course. Um, and we'll be working on it. So don't forget to send us in your ideas for how we should wind this big bad boy down yes. um, over the next couple of weeks. And so for this episode, for Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose. We are signing off. And if you like this episode number 209, don't bother leaving us a review. Just keep it to yourself. <laughs> just quite frankly. <laughs> if just You can send us a note if you love it. And if you hate it, you know what? Don't send us anything. Just uh, stop listening, quite frankly. And if you haven't yet, um, you know, hashtag us up. Um, and let us know what uh, what you want to hear over the next few episodes as we wind this down. We'd also just love to thank you personally for every all of your attention and all of your wonderful, heartfelt messages. We so appreciate you, um, our audience, to this little podcast. But, of course, if you've got any story ideas, send them along for next week. You know, you can tweet us up, hashtag us at ThisOldMarketing on the Twitter, or as Joe mentioned earlier in the show, you can send us an email at ThisOldMarketing at ContentInstitute.com. All the links we talked about today will be available in the show notes as we go to publish on Monday night, and, of course, in the show post in all of its replete technicolor glory at ThisOldMarketing.com on Saturday. Until next week, everybody, remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. show is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.